Welcome to Yela Mensa, exploring cross-centered contextual justice in the South African context. Yela Mensa is a ministry of East Urbano Center for Biblical Justice. I am your host, David Kruter, and with me is John Skiepers. It's been a while, my man. Say hello for Mensa, John. Say hello yeah, for Mensa. You see, I waited that time. I waited that time. I'm learning my place. Yeah, hello for Mensa. Hello, everyone. It's good to be back. Uh, welcome to another episode of of Yellow Mensa. Uh, so I'm just going to jump right into this. So on the 9th of April, 2015, the statue of the 19th century British colonialist Cecil John Rhodes was finally removed from its place of prominence at UCT. I, I, I think we all remember that event. Yep. And if you if you don't remember it, dude, where have you been? Probably where not South African. <laughs> so, so the protests which both preceded and following this event brought into the public square the issue of our complex relationship with history as South Africa. Okay? How do we remember those who had a significant impact on the history of our country while not necessarily celebrating them? That's a question. Mm. Is it right to simply erase or rename those once celebrated for their deeds now condemned? And what do we do with the complexity which history repeatedly throws up wherein our heroes are simultaneously our villains? Mm. That's, that's, that's a big thing, eh? And some of, sometimes we find out later in life what happens. And yeah. you, you come on a podcast like ours and you... Herald this particular guy, and you find out, oh, snap! What do we do with that content? What do we do with what do we do with 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 that history? What do we do with that legacy? Mm-hmm. And so, this issue of who we celebrate with statues, memorials, or having things named after them has been stirred up uh, for both us, uh, for both of us recently, me and yeah. John, with the debate happening around the name of our alma mater, Theological College, George Whitfield College. Uh, yeah. But more about that a bit, little bit later. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But first, what we want to talk about a bit is our relationship with history and how you and I, or everybody yeah, for that matter, have to remember or celebrate the past. Right. The issue of GWC is, is something that's close to our hearts because it's, 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 it's come up. Um, right. There's conversations within our circles that's being had, and so... Uh, it, it would be an, an injustice, I think, from our side not to bring up the issue if we're right. going to be relevant, if we're going to speak into um, South African context. Right. Um, it's real. So let's begin a bit by remembering the events around Fees Must Fall. That's, that's the catalytic. And so events, both Fees Must Fall and Roads Must Fall. If you didn't know, they were two separate things. The one happened before the other. Probably Roads before Fees Must Fall happened. Right. And those, both of them, they certainly were catalytic times. Some might say uh, controversial or even divisive. Mm-hmm. Those of you who were in particular church context or uh, work context uh, where debates were heated and conversations were stirred, Sorry, was stirred up. And so the question is, how do you uh, interact with these events around Christmas Fall and what impact? John, this is a question to you and me. First to you. And what impact did Christmas Fall have on you and your community? Sure. I mean, they certainly were divisive. I remember those were the days when I was still quite active on Facebook in, in the sense of thinking like Facebook debates could really change the world. So um, I think I lost quite a few friends. I think there was some serious repentance. I remember trying to have discussions. I use the word discussions uh, lightly uh, with people on Facebook and really just 
finding myself totally tense and unable to work and crafting replies. And it, it wasn't the most productive um, time in, in terms of that. But um, yeah, I think for me as a person, uh, before I talk about my community, for me as a person, I think it was really in some ways catalytic. I think it, mm. it changed things for me. And I think that, uh, you know, when Martin Luther King talks about the fierce urgency of now, I think sure. that kind of dynamic really came home to me. And, and mm. I said, and I, I don't know if I've said it on the podcast before, but I mean, I'm really of that generation that we, we were kind of the 1994 generation, you know, myself and my friends um, of various ethnicities uh, and racial groupings. We were, we were those who were, we finished school just before 1994. We were going into universities and colleges. So we were almost the first generation where there was this, this access, this opening up. So we, I think we were of that generation thinking, you know what, access is what we need. And so, yeah. you know, I saw my friends going to universities. I saw them getting degrees. I saw them getting into jobs. I saw them getting ahead. And it was kind of like, if the doors are open, I'm, you know, my, my wait, friends Wait, 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 John, pause. Are these, are these, wait, yeah. wait, are these white friends? Didn't they have access? What are you talking no, about? No, no, I'm, these friends? <laughs> no, no I'm, talking, I'm talking about sort of my so-called colored friends, my black friends, um, particularly okay. there. And okay. we were just kind of, we were able to celebrate, able to see them getting ahead. Um, yeah. It was fantastic. Mm. And I think, and, and both within the church, I think as we saw things open up. And so, and so it was very exciting times, but I think we also got lulled. And for me, certainly, I felt like, those, these issues were still important, but what the, the fees must fall generation really brought up for us. And, and remember at the same time we had um, Black Lives Matters first kind of coming up around the similar time um, in the States. Yeah, so yeah. all of this is, is coming up. And I think for us, it was a realization that, that just opening the doors weren't enough. Uh, yeah. That there was actually more going on. That even though the doors were open, you can come in, nothing's changed. You must still play by our rules. We still control it. And I think it was very much a, a realization that saying, what has actually changed? Um, yeah. And so that led me to a lot of, of soul searching in terms of, of understanding the role and then asking questions about the gospel as I even reflected on the church and said, what has actually changed here as well? And obviously, as I reflected on the church, then I started reflecting on society um, so, so, so it changed a lot for me. And I think my focus started going, we, we cannot be lulled anymore. We have to speak up. We have to act. We've got to do something. And in some ways, I think Ispambana was birthed out of that, uh, that urgency. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? No, I, I, yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, this is, I think there's, there's a couple of things, but they're also interlinked. Because here's the thing what happened. Here's the thing. In 2015, I was still on my way out of college, Bible college. And so I was still very naive. And I thought to myself, you know, <laughs> I think what Fismas Fall did was it opened my eyes to the fact that we don't all approach scripture with the same lens. Yeah, come on. And so I thought what was a simple issue, being a, being a student of color on mm. university camp, in one of the university camps, having that experience, when these students said the stuff that they were saying, I said like, oh, oh of course. Yeah. And then going to my Christian friends and saying, guys, but of course we know where we stand on this. We also know where we stand on violence, but it wasn't that simple. And I couldn't understand like, what on earth are you guys talking about? This is a no-brainer. And it wasn't yeah. a no-brainer. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't a no-brainer. Mm. And so, and interestingly, it was mostly between, it was mostly having that, 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 that tension was mostly with 
white Christians yeah. that I had. And I could not understand what was going on. Mm. And then speaking to some, and it was really some, it was really a few black Christians or Christians of color. And then discovering actually that there was a theology that made them say, because they could never speak from their lived experience and made the same arguments against Fismas Paul. Mm. The arguments was mainly theological and it sounded at the time for me that the guys was really grappling with scripture. And then I was like, no, but I'm also grappling with scripture. Yeah. Then I discovered it was yes. a theology. It was this, you know, Western individual individualism and other notions of theology that's, that sprung up from that, that yeah. made the guys, you know, sort of dismiss uh, systemic and structural injustice. And, and, and the language already there was there. Yeah. And so that was, for me, was the, was the moment sure, that, that opened right. my eyes to, to, to seeing how people approach the Bible differently. Mm. And then, of course, there was the national conversation. Because all of a sudden, what I found was that amongst, when it came to the issue, it was people of ethnic groups were having this conversation and within that, there was within the black community, there was a rift within guys within the age brackets. Yes. So people who have come out of, out of apartheid, who have what you called access, the older generation, from a generation who looked at that access and started questioning the access. What does this access mean? Do I really have access? Yeah. Um, am I really equal in, in the access that, that, I, that I have? And so, and even when I get into the context, what are the, the restructuring, the reform that has happened within the institutions that allows me to be? And they were starting to question those kind of things. And I yeah. saw that conversation being had both within the black community. Right. That was, there was this tension that it wasn't just, you know, all black people are having this conversation on this. And I found that whether you were my age or younger or not, if you were white, you were on your, the older white guys and the younger white guys were saying the same thing. Yeah, that was also interesting to see. Yeah, that they were saying the same thing, but um, where it became with the people of color, there was this divide, also this this grappling um, along the the age lines, mm-hmm. um, and so that was very unique. That was very that was something that I that I that I took from Fismas for, um, yeah. and so and so I think then getting into the church space as a as a person of color. Mm-hmm. And seeing my my white Christian friends and brothers and sisters having this particular view and then finding myself also within another tension of hearing secular non-Christians saying something that is like, duh, but then my Christians with the Holy Spirit and who has the scriptures and who has discernment and who has the scriptures who speaks about justice and, and God's defense of the poor. Amen. Not getting it, but the black pagans seem to get it. Yeah. You know, and I found myself like, on whose side am I almost? <laughs> and then I had to say, no, but I'm I'm not on the side of 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 of, of man. I'm on the side of truth. And I want to yeah. love Jesus. And yeah. that was a hard journey. And that's where sure. I think a lot of us got axed out of churches. A lot of us got God, God. I mean, you can, you can. There's stories upon stories of, of young people who were dragged before councils, who were who were exed out of churches, who 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 people just didn't understand what they were saying. Yeah. And you realize that there was a lived experience that some people were just out of context with. And and I mean, particularly in evangelical churches, because I mean, that's that's the world we know more. And I think that also just spurred that fierce urgency of now. I was like, no, we we can't play games anymore. Like. Yeah. Like even if you want to use that kind of narrow gospel and that people's souls are being lost, that is exactly what was been happening. People were walking out of the church uh, and, and we would say, 
And that is, that's heartbreaking. Even if you're just about preaching the gospel, that's got to break your heart. Even if you're saying it's yeah. like, that's all we got to do. It means we've yeah. got to act. And so for me, it was just that time of going like, it's almost like we remember history differently. We don't have a shared remembrance of history. And, and I think that's exactly it. No, you nailed it. That's, in, the that's churches, the, yeah, yeah. But in the church as much as outside the church. Um, and so we actually, we need to, we need to get on the same page. We need that shared memory. So it's mm. in essence, we're trying to fix different problems because we remember the past differently. So we're like, you know, white people, we're trying to get back to the good old days. You know, black people are like, we don't want to go back to the good old days. You know, it's like, so so how do we fix it? Well, the solutions are going to come with are going to be radically different. And I think just yeah. that 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 stirring of fears must fall was a time of and of roads must fall was a time of going. We need to relook at things. We need to ask questions yeah. about history. We need to ask questions about how we remember history. And like you said, yeah. about the lenses that we're using to Use. look at history, yeah. to look at theology, uh, to look at sociology, to look at, at societies and structures. And I think for me, that was, it was a big shakeup. So moving from that, mm-hmm. so now we're getting into the actual, the roads thing, the thing that went down. During that time, one of the big opposing viewpoints against, for instance, the removal of statues uh, or the renaming of educational institutions or public buildings or street names is that it is an attempt um, to wipe out or to cancel history. And then the other thing is um, the saying, as the saying goes, that those who forget their history are doomed to repeat it. And so this is this is this is the dangers that you that you're facing. What, yeah. what is your take on that? To those objections. I mean, I could say a lot, <laughs> but I think one of the big things is, is that I feel it's a disingenuous take. It's all about context, isn't it? We can remember history without celebrating aspects of history. So, yeah. so it is not appropriate, for instance, to fly an old South African flag over UCT or over your house or whatever. But it is appropriate to put an old South African flag in the apartheid museum, for instance. It, that's an appropriate place for it, where you can frame it, you can put context on it, where even you, even people who who have been raised under that oppression can have that visceral reaction in a historical place. I mean, I just think about like, and I don't know if they still do it, it's been a while, but when I went to the apartheid museum, you get a card and you must go in through the whites or the non-whites entrance, depending on what your card is. I'm sure that there are people that almost can't even go in, like they hold that card and they're like, I can't do that. And this is visceral. But but because of the nature of the edu- of educating and shaping people, that's an appropriate place to remember how bad it was. Yeah. Um, now, when it comes to like tearing down statues and stuff, um, I, I think there comes a point where we just need to do it because we're not having the, com- the reason it gets to that point is because we weren't ever having the conversations. No one was questioning Rhodes's legacy. I mean, maybe no, no one's probably unfair, but like there were no significant serious conversations. I imagine at UCT um, in the public space about saying, Hey, what do we do with the statues of, of Cecil John Rhodes? By the way, there's still one in the company gardens. What do we do with Louis Boerte outside parliament? You know, um, yeah. You know, what do we, what do, we do with Fuertrecker Road? I mean, what do we do with these, these things? And we, we need to have real discussions because, because we, we, we have to look at the legacy. And, and when they were named, they were named in order to celebrate these legacies. Yeah. And we're going, hang on, are we still celebrating them? Um, I, think, I think that actually things get pulled down 
because they are not put in the appropriate place. Now, if we'd had a serious discussion, we'd taken the statue and we removed it to uh, to the apartheid museum or some kind of museum where we can remember the past, um, I, I think that's completely appropriate. But in a sense, how long are we going to ask black people to walk past someone who, who was active in stealing land, in oppressing people, um, in, in, in robbing, in murdering, in taking the resources of our country, in impoverishing people and say, it's okay to have his legacy there. Just the point on the cost is that I think we, we don't take seriously the, the psychological effect on people. Mm. Um, you know, Preach, bro. Preach, you know, it's like, Preach, bro. I mean, I'm, I'm a white guy, so it, pro- it doesn't affect me as much. But, I mean, if you're going to a school or you're living on a street or you must walk past the street every day, named after some architect of apartheid or some colonialist, um, someone who is known to 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 be involved in genocide, to to be involved in in murder and rape and pillage. I'm like, and, and particularly against people with your color skin. People, and he said you are less than made in the image of God. Him and the entire system. And then you say, I must live on a street celebrating him every day. What does that do to the psyche? Yeah. What does that do to the to to a person? Is there not a sense that, and again, we're not saying remove them from history books. No, we, we need them in the history books. We <laughs> want to know exactly what they did. We want to be yeah. very sure of it because we don't want history to repeat ourselves. But what is the correct context and framing within which we can take that statue of Rhodes and put it somewhere or take an old apartheid flag and put it somewhere so that we can learn and so that we can never forget. But without mm. inflicting that pain and that re-traumatization on, on those who who have for generations been suffering under that. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I mean, you nailed it. I think the, the, the fact that you brought up the psychological effects, mm. and I think for me it links to this that whole conversation of, you know, how costly is this, um, you know, is this not the erasure of history, cancelling of history? Um, are you not trying to get rid of or... or or, you know, you're going to forget history if you don't have these monuments in your face all the time. To that, I want to talk about the issue of dignity. Yeah, good. And so when that statue is up there, when we look at that statue, what is the posture of that statue? And so who are we remembering and what are we remembering? Yeah, good. And who is our? Who is, who's our when we look at that as a country to go like, yeah. that's our history, you know? That, that's our history, but that's yeah. not our history. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you know, and so and so 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 when we talk about our like, can we can we talk That's about that? Yeah. Can we have a conversation? But I think when it comes to the issue of dignity, we forget that these names of streets and statues and and buildings was intentional. It was structurally designed, yep, to give certain names to certain streets and to put certain monuments so that we can remember a kind of. Who's in charge? Yeah. Um, who's who's the man in the house? And then you compare that to the streets that we have. You had a street called Rainbow Nation or a street called um, uh, Rainbow Strat, Rainbow Street. You have a street mm. called Fort. You have a street called Toyota. It's got nothing to do with the people or saying anything about mm-hmm. anything. And that was by design. Mm-hmm. That was by design, and that was also psychologically that's to true. teach the people something about hey, there's, there's, there's nothing about you that's worth celebrating. Yeah. Your people, there's nothing about you know the dignity of your people. 
And so, so, so we're celebrating. Who do you have in your lineage? I mean, I have to stress to think about African theologians. Exactly. I have to and scratch then, my head when I have to think about, you know, whoever. And when I do come up with a name, there's somebody quick to point out, you know, his legacy, you know, yeah. his theology. And I'm like, oh, okay. But when it comes to this conversation, we can't have that conversation. Yeah. Let's, can we talk about his legacy? Can we talk about what this guy believed? Mm. No, but he believed the truth of scripture. And so we can't. And so like, no, <laughs> you know, no, let's, let's, let's talk about the, the, mm. the, 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 the fullness of, of, of that legacy. And so for me, it comes down to the issue of dignity. For the past 20, 30 years, talking about racial justice, the conversation has often, even within the black community context, it's often, and colored and Indian and Asian South African community context, is often landed on the body. We've mm-hmm. often looked at economics. We have not looked and thought deeply about structures. It's only now really that we're beginning and through this generation that we're beginning to think about the implications of structures, yeah, that we're yeah. beginning to thinking about the implications of, 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 of the psychological, mental, uh, emotional e- yeah. effect that this has on, on a people. Mm-hmm. And so these things need to be, this is conversations that need to be had. And so if we talk about holistic, if we talk about yeah. restructuring, if we're talking about reform, we need to talk about all of reform. Mm, we don't we talk about all of reform. What does this look like? What does this mean? Okay. And I think that is not what's being done. Unfortunately, mm. that is not what's being done. We looked at economics. We looked at the physical body. We have not looked at the mental. We mm. have not looked at the soul aspect of mm. what does this mean for us to, to herald these guys or have these, have these statues up. Yeah. Um, or what, like living in the new dispensation, what is, yeah. what is all those other things that brought? I mean, Biko and the guys spoke about, you oh, know, yeah. consciousness. They spoke about it. But I don't think a lot of that has been incorporated into policy mm-hmm. and looking at change and restructuring mm-hmm. of our society. Yeah, that's good. I, I love that you linked it to dignity. I just think that is, I love that word because it's such a theological word. I mean, that's the thing. It's a theological word. And so when, we, when we're talking about dignity, we, we're talking about theology. We're talking about made in the image of God. We're talking about, about God's creation, which also means that as a church, we have a lot to say about that. It's easy to talk about the guy who's, you know, it's easy to dismantle this guy because yeah. for yeah, it, let's, yeah. let's talk about for it's like, ah, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a no-brainer. We're all on the same page here. Um, but how do we remember those uh, whose legacy are a little bit more complex than that? Mm. You know, the, the guy who does good, yet he has this side. First of all, just, just a throwaway comment is like, even the bad guys, we haven't done particularly well in dealing with that. So, for instance, in Cape Town, there's still a high school, Dear of Malan High School. I'm like one of the like the architects of apartheid. And we, so it is easier when dealing with the bad guys, but we haven't even done that well with them. Like the guys who obviously we need to be changed. But how do you remember yeah. those whose legacy is more complex? I think we do it with honesty, man. And and I think it's it's one of these things that people are always saying that our the politics and talking about racism and justice is divisive, um, and part of that I th- and and there's some truth in that, um, and I think part of that is because on either side often we're not prepared to look at the reality of our heroes. We need these heroes. Um, yeah. And we need to look at them and we need to look at them honestly. And we need to just say they, they, did, they did fantastic in this area and that area. But, man, when we look at the way they treated women, 
or mm. we look at the the legacy later in life or whatever, we can go, actually, we don't have to defend them. Whereas I think we do a lot of, we need these heroes uh, to, to, to be perfect. We need them and we don't want the other side to be, to be slamming our heroes. In one sense, I can't answer this any other way as a Christian. I'm going, what's that need for heroes about as a Christian? Like Jesus is our hero. Jesus is our hero. Yeah, we can, we can recognize who people are, but we, just, we, we need an honesty about history. And we need an honesty mm. about our heroes, which is incredibly difficult, I think, when we are encamped in these entrenched positions. We need to be those who are committed to truth uh, and dignity and truth-telling wherever we find it, which I find incredibly difficult. So I, I think I agree with you. I think we need to be honest about the complexity. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I think we need to be honest about the Just hold the tension because it's not black and white. It's complex. And I think the second, to it, second thing to that is that then we need to move towards a place of commitment towards truth. Because mm. I think the only way we're going to get ourselves through the muddiness of, oh, man, what do I do with all these emotions? What do I do with all these, these facts? Is, is to say that, okay, I need to be committed to truth. Yeah. And I see it all the time in Scripture, when Scripture deals with, and I don't even want to call it heroes. <laughs> yeah. When scripture deals with people who obviously shows us, you know, we in need of a savior. Yeah, yeah. And scripture is honest about, about the truth of that as it deals with the complexities of its characters. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something in that we need to learn from that. But there's, when, we, when we don't do that, there's a kind of defensiveness. If there's only a, either here or there, there's a kind of defensiveness or a truth butism. Mm, you know what I yeah, mean? It's good. truth, but-ism. And so the but outweighs the truth about <laughs> yeah. what happened. And we, it's as if there's only this kind of, it's either we need to dismiss or we need to celebrate. Yeah. And I'm saying, what about lament? Mm, oh, that's so good. What sure. about pausing and just saying, let's just sit and lament. Mm -hmm. I am heartbroken at the thought of what happened. Um, I'm not surprised because God tells me that this mm. is who we are. The gospel mm -hmm. tells us this is who we are. But there's another response and the gospel says that it's even though that this is human nature, that we are sinful and that we are deprived and we are depraved and all these kind of things. Yeah. But it's still, God still laments. Mm -hmm. God still, there's still judgment. Yeah. You know, he doesn't just wipe the slate clean. And so we, we need to learn to, to grapple with these things and say, okay, sometimes it's just pause and let's lament, but also then find out, okay, there's times and seasons for certain things yeah. in the way that we, maybe there's a time to, to in a certain context, there's a time to celebrate. Mm. Maybe there's a time to where we actually say that, no, not here. Mm. It's not appropriate for the sake of the victims. I yes. cannot, because I'm going into that context, I cannot herald this man as somebody who's the man. Yeah. You know, I, I put my foot in it one time evangelizing a, a lady, two ladies actually, who had dukis on their heads, scarves on their head. And I thought that they were, they were, they were Muslims. Oh. Being a Protestant, and I shot down the Muslim, the, 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 the Catholics, this and we are Protestant, that and you know what, whatever, and what the Catholics did probably to the Muslims. I went into some history there, but the church has a good history, and they were like, uh, buddy, we Catholic. Oh. I was like, oh, 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 
and I put my foot in it. And I was like, oh man. And I was like, I should have just stick with truth and Jesus mm-hmm. and relayed him and, and, and stop being with, mm-hmm. with, you know, trying to present this image of Christianity that I thought would, you know, somehow boost the kingdom of God. Right. Um, but I need to I just focus on Jesus, focus yeah. on the truth of, of his claims and what he says and just, and just, and just do that. Um, mm. and think, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's lots more to say. Yeah. What does, uh, what difference does it make if those who seek to remember or commemorate are Christians? We seek to remember, like what, what difference does it make that those people are actually Christians, the people mm. we just spoke about? Yeah. Okay. So, because most of our so-called heroes of the faith have incredibly dark sides as well. Yeah. I mean, take, take, for example, Luther, his anti-Semitism. Okay. Yep. Think think of, of of Calvin, his public execution of Servetus, uh, George Whitfield uh, and Edwards, their support of slavery, uh, so slavery laws. Think of Martin Luther King Jr. and his adultery. Mm-hmm. And so here's the question: Does the gospel not teach us that all? And I, and I hinted at this earlier. Does the gospel yeah. not teach us that all of us are sinners and, and no one is righteous? In one sense, I think there is a difference because as Christians, and I don't think we practice this often. So I think first theologically as Christians, we we know to expect that we are deeply sinful. We shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't be shocked by sin. We know our heroes aren't perfect, which raises the question of why do we need to defend them so, so staunchly sometimes? God can draw straight lines with a crooked stick. Uh, I think that's propaganda says that, you know, and he can. He can draw straight lines with a crooked stick and that's, that's incredible, but I don't think that means that we celebrate or ignore the injustice and the oppression and the sin. I think yeah. I think we look at that in the eye. I think we lament it, like you said. I think we call it. I think we talk about it. Um, and, and, and there's a sense that we leave judgment up to God as well, you know. I mean, it's hard when you see some of these things. I'm like, yo, who's who's in? Who's out, you know? You know, I, I think yeah. of disciples, like, well, who then can be in the kingdom of God? Okay. I think that context was talking about the rich, but like the rich, the powerful, our heroes, our celebrities, like e- even them. Well, who then can be saved? Well, <laughs> obviously the answer is none of us, none of us, but yeah. for Jesus. It's like that honesty. Let's look at it. Let's be honest. We don't have to defend them. We don't have, they don't have to be right. We, we can acknowledge the good they've done. But I think we're also foolish if we can imagine that the good they have done is not somehow often tainted by the bad in their legacy. And I, I think I think that's that's unfair to do that. So we are saved by grace. We are all sinners, all righteous. God can do whatever he likes. He can use whatever he likes. And I guess we can celebrate elements of it. And we've hinted at this. When we come to celebrating, there's, a, there's an issue of context as well. There's yeah. an issue of context. Uh, so, I mean, we're not going to, we're not going to name the mission, you know, an, an outreach to the Jews. We're not going to call it the Martin Luther, you know, missionary society to, to Jewish Christians. No, we're not going to name a, uh, a woman's shelter after, after I was going to say John Wesley two weeks ago when we started talking about it, because we know his, his relationship with his wife and his family was awful. Uh, he neglected them. Um, but we're, mm-hmm. but whatever we're doing with the legacy of, of Ravi Zacharias, we're not going to be naming any 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 women's ministries after him. 
I don't think we should be naming anything after him, by the way. But that's another thing. But that's another discussion. But but certainly it would be it would be disingenuous to say, oh, look at all he did, all these apologetics, all these books, all these arguments. We we ought to do something. We're like, no, no. Um, you know, wh- whatever his relationship is with God, and I've got some serious questions. Thank goodness I'm not God. But we're gonna go. There are yeah. issues. We we there is a context. How do you celebrate Martin Luther in a Jewish context? What do we do with the legacy of Whitfield and Edwards and slavery? What, 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 how, how, do we, how do we look at that? How do we celebrate yeah. that legacy in Africa? How do we celebrate mm. that legacy amongst other oppressed groups? Um, yeah. They are not just an evangelist or a reformer or a whatever. That's my other question is, why do we need these people to be heroes so badly? If we trust yeah. the gospel, Jesus is the hero. So, uh, so can we get rid of, I mean, like, do we need things named after John Wesley or John Calvin or George Whitfield? Do, do we need that? Like, if we take it away, what do we lose? Do we lose the gospel? Yeah. Like, uh, I'm just, because that raises questions about us and what we value yeah. and our, mm-hmm. our, um, I'll cling to the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, it comes down to, it matters because the difference is made in that some of these people are Christian in that we are all called to be ambassadors. And so there's a, there's a representation of, of the King of glory that's attached to this. And before we think of our name, before we think of our heroes, because there's a lot of hours in there. I, I wonder what Jesus thinks about, yeah, um, and I think it's appropriate that we said the, the question is that we are all sinners, and I think the gospel answers that question in the in the biggest sense of the, of, of the word. I mean, you you have Jonah in the Bible. I mean, you have what's his name? Yeah. You have Samson in the Bible. Um, I'm, I'm yeah. looking at that guy's legacy, and I'm going to Hebrews eleven. I mean, choose somebody else. Don't put his name yeah. in 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 the book of you know heroes. You know exactly. you don't you don't do that, God. And I thank God for the gospel in that. Um, yeah. for his, his, his election, for his sovereign work, for his grace, for his, I mean, it's, the gospel is just beautiful because I would, I, I want to think yeah. of myself and, and I think, you know, man, if, if, if somebody could just see my heart, that, it's dark, bro. It's dark. Um, but I think there's, there's a difference between, um, me knowing that I'm a sinner and walking in the, the sanctification and the redemption that Jesus offers and me sinning, yeah. gross, violating that name willfully in the face of other believers saying, no, David, no. And me saying, I don't care. I'm going to perpetuate this and I'm going to push for this. And even mm-hmm. if the people around me who like me says, yes, David, you are a guy. At least you're doing this. We know this side, but we, we know this. I want to know yeah. who the, what the people feel like who I'm perpetrating this stuff against. Not the people in around so me in my circles, what they yeah. feel about me, so but the people who's yeah. actually the little guy who, who I'm trampling on. Um, I want to hear what they have to yeah. say about this tension about about me and the legacy and the the, the gospel that I that I uphold and I preach out there. And I'm not mm-hmm. talking about one or two people. I'm talking about the people group. Yeah, what's yeah. the general feel of of the people there? Um, and 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 them them grappling this. Those the Christian and the non-Christians, because sometimes we dismiss the non-Christians. 
Um, and I think yeah, so. So I think it's it's that tension between gospel and 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 being an ambassador of the gospel. Because um, mm. Whitfield was a, I mean, we're going to get into this, but he was a big guy. He was a big name. Luther is a big name. Yeah, these guys. Yeah. I mean, there's even in the non in in the in the non Christian history books, their names are there. Yeah, yeah, their names are there. But but I love what you said because I mean, like, if you had to go ask, and we're going to go to Whitfield in a minute, but like, let's 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 talk about Luther for a minute. If you had to go ask Jewish people in Germany or wherever he's encountering him of that day, what they thought of Martin Luther. Would the question be radical? Would the answer be radically different to the one we see in in our history books? Sure. You know, would, would it be radically? I mean, and and so the question is, are we? I love what you said. Are we consulting those who are actually on the on the end of the injustice? You know, I mean, even as we're talking, I was like wondering, what would I think? Her name was Susanna Wesley. What would she have said about John Wesley? At a, at a more individual level, even. How would she have felt about him? Uh-huh. You know, and, and those are questions because those are image bearers as well. Whether they're Christians, or, yeah. those are image bearers. Is that the gospel we preach? I don't know. So, so I, I love I love what you just said there. That, that just really resonated yeah. with me. So, but I think if we should if we should, ta- if we should take the history question then all together, it's a it's a grappling of of this tension not just between the legacy of an individual, um, between faithfulness and unfaithfulness. And then that grappling is there, but then there's this grappling of the gospel. I mean, God does say, you know, Paul does say, uh, I think it's in, in one of First Timothy, um, where, he, where he says that even if we are faithless, God is faithful because he cannot deny himself. And so that's a beautiful reminder of what the gospel does and what, you know, what, 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 what ultimately God does despite our failures, even despite our successes, that it, this thing doesn't ride on us. And I think there's something beautiful there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but beyond that, the gospel also calls for justice. Yeah. Jesus doesn't go on the cross simply to offer us mercy. He also goes there to satisfy the wrath of God. Mm-hmm. And what does that look like in our daily? What does that look like in our application of the gospel of justice. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the grappling for me with when it comes to Christians. Um, yeah. And we need to, we need to, as much as we herald the grace, we need to herald, because that's what, that's why Christians, that's why many people come to faith. Some come because they have, they felt so worthless. They need to hear about the love of God. Others have felt so proud, proud. They need to hear about the judgment of God. Yeah. I mean, going back to, 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 to Whitfield, if you think about his preaching, it was all about the judgment. People trembled under his ministry. People, you know, they, they were like Peter asked those people who sat under Peter's ministry in, in the day of Pentecost, like, what mm. must we do? That was the kind of sense. And I praise God for that ministry because people asked the question, what we must do? And God used that to draw people to, mm-hmm. to salvation. Why can't we use the mercy of God in his justice? As Paul says in uh, uh, Romans chapter 12, that because of the mercy of God, you must live out this way. What about because of the justice of God, you must be fearful and live yeah. this way. Mm, mm, mm. And we need to hold the mercy and the justice of God in the gospel in balance. Yeah. I love it. The tension idea is so important. And I think we've, 
we, we've struggled certainly in evangelical circles to hold the tension, to have a bit of uncertainty, to to to, to kind of hold that tension, to hold that not knowing, to hold that that that, that what do we do with this legacy? But actually, because we've we've needed to have our theological heroes, we've given them a pass on sin. Uh, and even though we say we don't, we still, when that sin is brought up and that sin is questioned, we kind of try to get around it. We try to focus on the good stuff. Yeah. But actually, that's actually a theological failure because the gospel tells us we're sinners. And if the gospel tells yeah. us sinners, then we don't excuse anybody's sin. Uh, then we reckon with it, we deal with it, we we put it out in the open. Um, and I want to say we question what our criteria for a hero is. We, we question if yeah. we even need heroes, if I can put it that way. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so, we, so basically what we're going to do is we, we, we're going to stop here for a moment and we're going to pause and, and think about so the history question. So we spoke generally South African context. We spoke, uh, we, we narrowed it a little bit, coming to the church, coming to the Christian history, looking at some of our quote-unquote heroes. Um, but obviously now we're gonna, we want to focus on the second part. We want to be focused a little bit more, more narrowly. Um, yeah. And I want to say that because um, there's, there's, there's this, this conversation going on within our circles, uh, mm -hmm. John and mine particularly, um, with um, our alma mater uh, college that we both, um, you know, graduated from, and so we wanna we wanna have that conversation and be and be both gracious and honest um, and see, um, yeah, how do we how do we how do we both grapple with that? And hopefully, you how do you grapple with in your church tradition in your context right. the things that you coming from and see, you know, how do you then? I hope this is a sort of a framework. For, for how do we grapple with all of these things. There's a lot. There's slavery. We haven't dealt with the slave question because that's not the point of this. Hopefully sometime we will do that. This is just the history and the fact that, that these things happened. And so, so yeah. Okay. Join us for part two.